Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me as always, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm doing all right. How are you? We'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it, Matt. I know it's been a week. It's been a week for, for old Christopher Sims. It's been, indeed. One thing that will bring some light and joy to your week, I hope, is what we're doing on the show this week, which is a continuation of our 2023 segment, list, game, whatever you want to call it. The thing where we take listener suggestions and put things on a list. The bit. It's the bit. A bit for this this year it's uh thursday night raw it might keep being the bit for next year because it's fun and we haven't actually done it that much we've done i mean we've done it it's 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 not gonna be the long list that some of our other things have been because you know we're being selective about yeah. what makes the list look all of that is true that's that's certainly true. Matt, there are things that I know should be on this list that are not on this list yet. And and that is that is that's where I'm at. Well, we can only be guided by what is suggested to us. That's what not is, true. <laughs> are, are you saying we can bring our own? <laughs> I'm saying we can do whatever we want, Matt. We're 660 episodes into our show. <laughs> Well, you know me. I set rules, and then I'm like, these rules cannot be broken. <laughs> Who made these rules? <laughs> anyway, that's going to be fun when we get to that part of the show. But before we get to that, Chris, we do have business to take care of. And the first order of business is uh, saying thanks to our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. It is a week of Thanksgiving. Here in the United States of America. And, of course, we always like to say a special thank you to all the people who have gone all the way down to 660 Gimmick Street. You know what's there. Well, let's see. I think we I think we gotta be out of the Haunted Mansion District. Even though the Haunted Mansion District, I think, is like half a block. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's enough. Haunted <laughs> Mansions. That's enough to be notable. <laughs> Well, I mean, what's got to be there then? So we're out of the Haunted Mansion District. I mean, unless you want to keep the Haunted Mansion District going. I think we could be out of it. I would say it's the Meat Market District, and it's a butcher shop. Interesting. Oh, is that the is that the shop with the turkey? The one as big as me? That's right. That would be a big turkey. That would be a terrifyingly huge turkey. Yeah, it's a goose in, in A Christmas Carol, isn't it? Yeah, but it's Thanksgiving. True. A turkey as big as a person, any person, is a disconcerting proposition. A goose as big as a turkey 
is a disconcerting proposition. <laughs> I believe I only have one name to read. Uh, Patreon.com slash Warwick Ajax gimmicks, bills, you know. Yeah, yeah, that old deal. Uh, Mick Lang is our newest Patreon supporter. Thank you, Mick. If you would like to be like our friend Mick, then mm. you... Let's... Mm. Let me rephrase. Our patron Mick. (laughs) Our patron Mick, who who could very well be a friend in the future. That's right. Appreciated, but in a realistic way where we're all all cool and we know what's going on. If you would like to be like Mick and help us out on the show, you can do so, as Chris said, by heading over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kicking in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we do this show. Every week that we do. I don't think I've ever guaranteed that a new patron is going to drop that pledge faster than I have in this segment, Matt. (laughs) This show every week, Comics Catch-Up Monthly. We just put out the newest Comics Catch-Up episode about Black Widow uh, 2016. We hope folks enjoyed that. Every Story Ever Specials Monthly, Movie Fight is a Snack Situation. All of those shows are made possible. Uh, via your support on Patreon. And we very much appreciate patron support. As a patron, you get every single one of those shows that I just listed off completely ad-free. And you also get other cool stuff, including uh, line-stepping privileges if you're at that level. Um, One thing I need to make clear on the show is if you start as a line stepper on the Patreon. Do not expect an automated message with the line stepper password. You won't get one. There isn't one. I don't know how to do that on Patreon. If there's a way to do it, I don't know what it is. I think you could put it in like a welcome message, but I don't know if you can do those for for specific tiers. Yeah, I, I don't know how to do it. So as soon as you sign up, as a line stepper, send me a message, send a message on Patreon to us. And by that, I mean me and ask for the password and I'll give it to you. Uh, but it's, you, you're not just going to get it automatically. So please don't expect that. I had a couple of folks email me or message me being like, I've been a patron for this long and I haven't gotten the password yet. And I don't want people to just be sitting around waiting. Just ask. Just ask for it, and we'll get it to you uh, as soon as possible. Uh, so wanted to get that out of the way. Um, there's bonus content on the Patreon. That includes uh, bonus audio that can be outtakes from the show or, or other stuff. Uh, there's bonus writing. Chris writes stuff over there. Chris, we actually said we were going to do some BOCO about Sony's Marvel Spider-Man 2 uh, very soon. So we will probably be doing that over on the Patreon soon. And then there's physical rewards, there's t-shirts, there's very cool stuff over on the Patreon. If you feel so inclined as to help us on the Patreon, uh, we would really appreciate it. If you cannot help us on Patreon, for whatever reason, there are lots of reasons you might not be monetarily able to do that. You can help us in other ways. You can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use, or you can 
just spread the word about the show to your friends on social media or let folks know when you see them around the Thanksgiving table. What better Thanksgiving meal conversation than, hey, there's this fun podcast about comic books and popular culture that I like. And and then you can be like, and they also say that cops aren't our friends. Uncle Steve, would you like to talk? Would you like to speak on that? They say that trans rights are human rights, and and they also say that Marvel Two and One no, Annual Number Seven is one of the greatest comic books of all time. Which of those do you agree with, Uncle Steve? <laughs> with that, Chris, it's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, uh, what do you have to check in with this week? Matt, I said I was going to talk about how I'm doing. Yeah, you did. Well, Matt, I've I'm I'm caught up. I've I've read all of Dragon Ball now. Okay, great. I've I've I am up to the most recent chapter of Dragon Ball Super. And another one doesn't come out for three more days. So, like, what the fuck is the point of even living anymore? Well, you get you get a new Dragon Ball chapter when the time comes. I don't want to wait. <laughs> I don't want to wait. For another <laughs> the next Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> I mean, this is where I'm at with Berserk. I'm just waiting. <laughs> at any moment for a new chapter of Berserk. I do feel like that situation is a little a little thornier than mine. No, there are new chapters of Berserk coming out. I know there's new chapters coming out, but... It takes know. longer. It takes longer, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Akira Toriyama, thankfully, uh, still, still hanging out there. Uh, I will say, someone uh, uh, messaged me uh, when I was talking about the Toriyama-sans. Mm-hmm about Akira Toriyama, they thought I said the Toriyama-sense. I mean, you could also get into that if you want. Maybe that's the next thing. Maybe I'll just get really into Toriyama's. But then ever since, like, I have been, my mind is racing with the possibilities of Akira Toriyama's. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I need to find out about. I think. That, uh, yeah, Lil- I'm all caught up. The Lilith Fair would be a whole different kind of event. <laughs> I'm all caught up. I will say this, uh, and I know I've talked about it before. I cannot really stress it enough. Dragon Ball Super is legitimately good comics. It's so fun, so good. Uh, the story that they're in right now is uh, Goku and Vegeta are off in fucking space doing shit. They're doing all fucking in space? Stuff. Yeah. Nice. That's what they do now. It's 2023, baby. Yeah. Kakarot! <laughs> and so the story has shifted back to Earth, where Goten and Trunks are pretending to be superheroes, and also we check in with Gohan, the only member of his family who has a job. Uh-huh. Uh, you find out that Gohan wears glasses, and he doesn't, he doesn't need them when he's in Super Saiyan form, but otherwise he, like... Because he reads so much, he, his eyes, uh, he's very nearsighted, which is extremely funny. Uh, you find out about Piccolo's cell phone case, which the very idea of Piccolo having a cell phone is already hilarious. Yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah. 
But uh, Piccolo's got his phone case that should be seen to be believed. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball Super, legitimately my favorite comic of the year, I think. And this is a this is a year that also has Batman versus the Batman of Zurinar happening regularly in the pages of Batman. Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, good stuff. But yeah, now it's now I've got a now I'm I'm all caught up. I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. Guess I'll go skip some stones or something. There will be another Dragon Ball chapter for you to read soon. Okay, I guess I'll hang in there. Yeah, Matt, what have you been up to this week? Well, I finished Ellen Week Two. the The playthrough is done. The Deuce, the <laughs> Alan Wake Deuce, as they call it. I got a copyright claim on my the last part because the cl- credits have a copyrighted song over them. I think it's a PJ Harvey song. <laughs> but then the copyright claim got reversed, so that's weird. But uh, when you say reverse, that makes it sound like you copyright claimed them. Mm, yeah, take that, PJ Harvey. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I finished Alan Wake Two, an excellent game. Again, I recommended it a couple weeks ago, but I really, really recommend it, and I'm very excited for the DLC, uh, which will be about the return of Night Springs, and about the the talk show host Mister Door. Very, very excited for for more Alan Wake 2. But as a result of finishing Alan Wake 2, I uh, started playing uh, Sony's Marvel's Spider-Man 2. And Chris, you've already recommended it, so I won't recommend it again. And we talked about doing some Boko about it, so I won't get too in the weeds about what the, the story is or or plot details and stuff. But I do have, I am going to mention one thing. You know what the weirdest thing about those Sony's Marvel's Spider-Man games are, Chris, is the, the Insomniac Spider-Man games. Uh, is it that he has been Spider-Man for 10 years and has never fought the Green Goblin? I mean, that's pretty wild, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what I always find weird is how in both games... Spider-Man villains all become people who have literal armies at their disposal. Everybody's got an army. Well, to to be fair, I think I might have mentioned this. I played Spider-Man 2 and then liked it so much that I immediately replayed Sony's Marvel Spider-Man 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, parentheses, 2018 parentheses for the PlayStation 4 parentheses, remastered for the Valve Corporation Steam Deck. And the villains in that game, I mean, the, the bad guys are Kingpin and Mr. Negative, who both do have gangs. Right, and, and Silver Sable is a mercenary, like has a mercenary yeah. group. Silver I, Sable I, and her PMC that she has. <laughs> yes. And then the, the DLC, which I had never played before, but I, I, I went through this time, is all about the Magia. So those all make sense. Spider-Man 2's massive army of villains is... That's not a thing that has ever existed before. Craven has never had a huge army of people at his disposal. Before this. Craven and his international crew? Yeah. yeah. Of dudes, like, at one point, AC was playing it, and she was like, 
is Craven South African? And I was like, no, Sergei Kravenov is Russian. Yes. And she was like, oh, there's somebody talking in this game who's definitely South African or doing an accent. There, there's, all the henchmen have different accents from different places. Yeah. And uh, that's that, that's wild. That's wild. Uh, there's a, I, I heard a distinct Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, why? I mean, working with Craven. And then I was on some mission as Miles, and one of Craven's henchmen was speaking just a completely different, like not English, just a totally different language, like muttering to himself. But then there's also the flame. Yeah, has an army, and I've been reading Spider-Man comics for a long time. Who is the flame? Do do you want to know who the no, flame is? I I'm not to the total end of the game yet. I I know it's going to be like a reveal. I thought for like when I first started playing it, I was like, are they bringing in fucking Scorcher from Untold Tales of Spider-Man? <laughs> Which would not have been entirely out of character, given the shit that game pulls. But yeah, like, uh, the the flame perplexed me on my playthrough as well. Who also, again, has a, has a huge army. A, a massive cult. Yes. There, there should be a, a nine-part HBO documentary about the cult of the flame. <laughs> I think I am pretty close to the end of Marvel Sony Spider-Man 2. So I've I'm going to be out of town all next week. That is my other the other part of my check. I'm going to be in the beautiful city of Philadelphia all of Thanksgiving week. So there's not going to be a show the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, but we usually do take Thanksgiving off. Yeah, but especially because I'm going to be out of town uh all next week. But uh, once I get back, I will probably pretty quickly finish Sony's Marvel Spider-Man 2, and we should record some Boko about it for sure, Chris, because I got shit to talk about in that game. I'm very curious, because you are a a noted Venom hater. Not the biggest fan. Not the biggest fan. You do not enjoy many stories about the lethal protector, Venom. That's true. The, the game does do the one Venom story that I think is pretty good. Which is the the symbiote. Peter has the symbiote. And it changes him. Yeah. Uh, how... What, what's, the, what's the last thing that has happened in, in the game? I'm, I want to get a sense of how far you are. Big fight with Kraven. Big fight with Kraven, okay. That's the last thing I did. There was a bell involved. <laughs> ring, the, ring the bell, sucker! <laughs> exactly right. That's my check. Time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? I I will say this: I have been very busy. Uh, it's been a heck of a week. I don't have much new stuff to recommend. Uh, I'm behind on a lot of stuff. I, you know, I I, I read uh, I read Dragon Ball before bed, so that's how I made it through all that. And it's not, it's not exactly a, it's, it's not a dense read is old Dragon Ball, but I, I have not really engaged in anything new since Spider-Man two. 
Uh, not counting like I watched I, I watched uh, Dynamite this week. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Watch that new episode of Dynamite. It's got a got a like, you know, M- MJF cuts a cuts a good promo at uh, the go home show for this year's Full Gear. Yeah, which which we was it last year we went to Full Gear. It was twenty twenty one that we 2021? went to Full yeah. Gear. Uh, I I will say, I hope they put it up on YouTube because I I do want to show it to people. Friend of the show, Ted Anderson, is a big, big fan of the uh, Yakuza uh, slash Like a Dragon games. And I had the uh, pleasure of telling him this week, hey, they did a full sponsored Yakuza, th- like like a Dragon themed match on Dynamite, and it's a hoot. He's got a bicycle. He's got a bicycle. Uh, so if do go out of your way to watch that match, it's very, very fun. And you get to see more than one wrestler, a more than one wrestler in cosplay and B more than one wrestler in Sega branded tights, <laughs> which is very funny. Uh, Matt, what what would you like to recommend this week? If, if not, uh, Sony's Marvel's spiders, men, yeah, that's what they, they should have called it. Spider-Man. They really should have called it Spider-Man. I love, for, okay. Real quick, I like that they called it Spider-Man, and I like that both, like, in dialogue and in subtitles, they are both called Spider-Man, but they put a little emoji so you know whether it's Peter or Miles. That's really good. It's, I I like it in in theory, in practice, I cannot tell those emojis apart. Weirdly, because I play a lot of games with the sound off, because I'm usually playing on a portable device, but because I played this one on the Sony PlayStation five. Like I didn't like, I never had any trouble with the dialogue, but I didn't look too close at the emojis. I just liked that they were there. Yeah. I, I appreciate the idea, but they're both red and black. Like the, the colors are transposed, but like when they're that small, you you cannot tell. (laughs) Yeah. But I do like that. They, they'll be like doing superhero stuff and go, (laughs) Spider-Man look out. Yes, that is great. Yes. So what is your what's your recommendation, Matt? Well, first of all, okay, let me make one quick very small mini recommendation. And this is mostly a joke, but I've watched it multiple times now, the trailer for the Madam Web movie. Uh-huh. Which has there's so much to love about it. Um Dakota Ch- Johnson doing voiceover sounding like she's about to fall asleep. <laughs> And also, uh, it has uh, uh, Adam Scott as Ben Parker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Marvel Comics character from 2001, Ezekiel. Yeah, everybody loves Ezekiel. That guy who tried to make Spider-Man, like, who tried to sacrifice Peter Parker to a Spider-God so that he could be young again. Uh huh. I don't know why you're explaining that to me, Matt. I'm just I'm not explaining it to you specifically. I'm just I'm just saying. So here's my actual recommendation, Chris, and this is a pre-recommendation. Okay. Uh, as of the recording of this episode, it has not come out yet, but it is coming out tomorrow. And I have played this game many times. I do not need to play it again to know that I 
am going to rec- be recommending it. But it is a, it has been remade, and I'm super excited for the remake. And that is Super Mario RPG. Which oh is yeah, coming I already bought on, it. I'm gonna coming out on it. Nintendo Switch. If you have not played Super Mario RPG, buy it and play it immediately. It is an absolute beautiful wonder of a game. And it is incredible that it has been remade. Because for the longest time, it was like held up in rights bullshit. Because it was a collaborative game between Nintendo and Squaresoft. And then Square... After the PlayStation started, PlayStation came out, decided to support Sony instead of Nintendo. And so there weren't Square Soft games on Nintendo consoles for at least about five years, five or six years. It may have been the GameCube before there was ever another Square game on a Nintendo console. And the two companies didn't really work together um, after Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation. So it really seemed like Super Mario RPG was going to just be like, like never get any kind of life again. It was on the SNES Classic, but the, the idea that there would be a sequel or it would be remade was pretty unlikely. And the original characters from the game, uh, particularly Malo and Gino, the playable characters, they seemed gone. They've never been in Smash. They've never been in anything, right? Yeah, it wasn't until Smash Ultimate that Gino was even, like, referenced. And now here we are. Yeah. And, God, you gotta put Gino in Smash. You got to put Gino in Smash. Gino, Gino and Goku are my two. My two. These guys got to be in Smash. Yeah. Put him in there yesterday, man. Nintendo, get on it. I am curious to see, like, what has been remade. Like, what sort of, like, quality of life stuff has changed. Because, again, like, this was a Super Nintendo RPG. Uh-huh. So... And honestly, like, the spiritual successors to it were the Paper Mario games, which, you know, had their ups and downs. Uh, but I'm very curious to know, like, if if it's going to be like a Link's Awakening sort of thing, where it's basically, nope, this is, this is Link's Awakening just with a new coat of paint. Uh, or if on- it's going to be, like, more like... I mean, it's not going to be the Final Fantasy remake, you know? <laughs> Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah, I mean, based on the trailer I saw, it's it's going to be more new coat of paint. It would be full. wild if it was like Final Fantasy VII remake and fucking Time Ghost started showing up. Yeah. For, from what I could tell, it it's still the isometric view. It's still, you know, it, in many, many ways, the same game. Uh just in HD, it looks better, and there might be some gameplay, yeah, quality of life updates. Um, but I think that is probably about it. Yeah. 
Mar- Mario RPG was the first like JRPG I ever loved. So it's so good. It's yeah. so good. Uh, so that's my recommendation. Go go grab it in the uh, Nintendo store. Hey, um, real quick before we move on, are we thirty? Are we sixty percent of the way to the Gathering of Five now? In movies, in movies. Well, we need two more characters in movies, and they are going to be hard, hard to get. You think, you you think keep... Gregory is going to be difficult? You got to get Gregory, <laughs> and you got to get Morris Maxwell, and then you've got a whole gathering of five. But we, but we've got, we've got Norman. Yeah, we've got we've Maddie. Got Maddie now. We've got Madam Webb. Cassandra Webb, yeah. Cassandra Webb, yeah. Well, that's wild. We're so close, Matt. Yeah. Do you think we could get them, like, when they thought, hey, I think everybody likes Morbius, actually. Do you think we could successfully convince them that anyone would want a Gathering of Five movie? There's only one way to find out. Folks, hashtag the Gathering of Five. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. The entire Sony Spider-Verse, all these movies that they're coming out with, should be building to a huge Gathering of Five event that would be their end game. (laughs) Chris, it's time to talk about some comics. What do you say? I would love to. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with. But getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. 
The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for Paperlike products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. The winner of this week's Texture's Choice Award is... I'm doing bed music for you, Matt. Is G.I. Joe issue 301. Yeah, man. Larry's back at Skybound. Larry never left. That's true. This like this is the second revival of the Marvel G.I. Joe series at another publisher. Yeah. Because yeah. IDW did it too. Yeah. And and like Larry did some stuff the last time it was at Image. He just didn't write like the they didn't bring back like and the the numbering and everything for uh, a real American hero. Uh, but yeah, this is like as far as I know, Larry was writing like to GI Joe three hundred like three months ago. <laughs> yeah, man, this is wild. It's I love how on the cover it says three hundred and first issue. I. The cover of this issue is great. Because it is an homage cover to G.I. Joe number one, which is one of the best covers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very, like, like the big 300, spelled out 300 and first issue. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it's an Andy Kubert cover, which is great. And a cover that reminds you, subtly, that there's three Snake Eyes now. Yeah, dog. Yeah, dog. Only one of them makes an appearance in the issue, I believe. Right? No, like, no. Two of the, two of them are in there. Okay, because Snake Eyes and Snake Eyes Two are in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, but, his, and his dad. <laughs> and his dad. Um, but Larry Hama is writing this. The art is by Chris Mooneyham, who is so good. The art in this is so good. It, it, it's really good. Uh, like, there's a really solid um, grittiness to it. And to the point where, to explain what I mean by that, like, when you sent me, like, uh, a picture of Dr. Mindbender, I thought it was from Transformers, because it kind of looks like Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of, like, it's, it's got that kind of scratch to it. It's of a piece with that, for sure. Yeah, bud. Yeah, it's well. The, there's a whole kind of like intro bit 
the the thing I sent you of Dr. Mindbender is from an intro bit that kind of like gives a rundown of who everybody is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in case you're a new reader picking up G.I. Joe 301. And after that, boy, it drops you in in media res. Yeah, bud. <laughs> and you know what? That's how you that's how it should be fucking done. If you're if you're coming in in in, in GI Joe 301, then yeah, okay, here's who everybody is. Let's let's fucking rock and roll. There there is a bomb about to go off on Cobra Island that is called the Mutant Bomb. Uh-huh. And the whole issue is a countdown to that bomb going off. And uh brother, they don't stop it. No, they don't. The bomb goes off, and everyone in uh, all of the tourists at the Cobra Island Casino are killed. <laughs> and all of the Cobra, all, all of the members of Cobra who are on Cobra Island get turned into like zombie monster creatures, right? Because uh, Serpentor Khan, who is the the clone of Genghis Khan, who's so like this- the f- fifth Serpentor, I think. Yeah, this is this is not the Serpentor who fights GI Joe and GI Joe Fifty. This is a new Serpentor. <laughs> yeah. This is a new old Serpentor. Serpentor, original Serpentor had a bunch of like dictator DNA also. Yes. But not Genghis Khan? I think he did have Genghis Khan DNA. But you know, it was in there with Hitler and Julius Caesar and Right, yeah. And everything else. Uh Sergeant Slaughter. Which no wonder that Serpentor didn't get anywhere. That guy's a fucking liar. <laughs> Larry Hummel kicked that dude's ass. Stolen valor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a Serpentor who is a clone of Genghis Khan. Uh, who is like, hey, set off the fucking zombie bomb. And Dr. Mindbender, first of all, the panel you sent me was explaining that Dr. Mindbender is second in command of Cobra. And I was like, who made that dumb decision? I mean, I guess it was Serpentor, because Cobra Commander's not there. Cobra Commander's, like, breaking out of prison. Yeah, Co- Cobra Commander is being abducted from Cobra Island by the Joes. Yes. Following and... the events, of course, of G.I. Joe 300, which I guess, sometimes I go, like, three or four years without reading any of Larry's G.I. Joe, and then I catch up all at once, and it's bananas. And Man, Matt, that's it. That's my reason to keep going. That's right, yes. I got like a hundred issues of G.I. Joe to read. You found it. You found it. And uh, Destro and the Baroness have broken away from Cobra, too. That's explained in the two-page recap. Yeah. So that leaves Dr. Mindbender as the number two. Well, it leaves plenty of people, Matt. Uh, like I, I, the thing I said to you was I would put fucking Crockmaster in charge before I would put Doctor Mindbender in charge. <laughs> I love the description of Doctor Mindbender as a rogue orthodontist, Very which true. is true, but so funny. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so Serpentor is like set off the zombie bomb, and uh, and Doctor Mindbender's like, that's also gonna blow us up and turn us into zombies. And Spindor's like, you heard me. <laughs> so he does it. And then in one of the one of the funniest things that, that Larry Hama has ever written, 
and he's he's gotten some bangers. Serpentor becomes a zombie, mm-hmm. but then he he still has his mental faculties, and he says, uh, "I have this intense urge to rip living flesh off the bone and devour it, but I am still me. I am not some mindless criminal monster." And calling zombies criminals is the funniest fucking thing I've ever read. Well, you you texted me about that, and I was like, "That's not inaccurate." I mean, it's true. Zombies do. Zombies tend to engage in illegal behavior. Yeah, the, the, you can definitely say that what zombies do is not legal. Because we know that because what what Doctor Kurt Connors the lizard did was not legal. Absolutely not. Yeah, Absolutely. and zombies often engage in similar habits. A hundred percent. He had a boy. He did. Yeah. Uh, but just the idea that I have, I have never consumed any zombie media where anyone has like looked out the window at the hordes of the undead and been like fucking criminals. <laughs> yeah. Criminals out here. <laughs> Look at all those crimes they're doing. I do. Th- maybe in the original Night of the Living Dead, I think maybe they do refer to the zombies as going on a crime spree because they don't know they're zombies. They think they're just people. Hilarious. But, Truly uh, wonderful. Yeah. Larry, I know you didn't go anywhere, but welcome back, bud. <laughs> uh, G.I. Joe 301, an absolute hoot. A great time. Next up, we wanted to talk about Fantastic Four number 13, the issue where. Doctor Doom and Dinosaur Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is writing Dinosaur Doctor Doom on the cover. This Alex Ross's finest work. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I we are not joking when we say that. No, it's it's honestly beautiful. Yeah, and it, and it is like it's clearly riffing on Doctor Doom writing the sea monster, but it is Doctor Doom writing on a T Rex Doctor Doom. And it's genuinely, like, some of his best painting I've ever seen. Yes. Yes. In this issue, Ben Grimm... This is a very Ben Grimm-focused issue. Uh, He travels back to the regular Marvel Universe, the human Marvel Universe, from the dinosaur Marvel Universe, to connect with the dinosaur Fantastic Four so they can come up with a way to stop Dr. Doom and dinosaur Dr. Doom from merging these two universes together. And the dinosaur, the dinosaur. That's right. When Ben Grimm gets there, he finds the Avengers, the human Avengers fighting the dinosaur. <laughs> and he's like, how have you not figured out that you're, you should be friends yet? And yeah. how did it take you guys this long to figure this out? We got this done in minutes. Yeah. Uh, and the only way he gets them to stop is he cusses in dinosaur language. Because he remembered that one word. Yeah. Beautiful. It, Beautiful. It, it, it makes the point of like, like, yeah, the cusses in any language are the easiest things to say. Because nobody's gonna like you know stub their toe and say something complicated, right? It's it they're gonna keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I I do love the interaction where Tony Stark's like, "Well, it's a dinosaur that's on fire, Ben." 
Like, t- like you guys were small things on their world. We had, you know, they're very big here. That that is a fair point on yeah. uh, Iron Man's part. But it's, I, but I do, I do love that 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 is the that, that is the like that Ben is like eh, didn't even didn't even think about uh, making a translator, huh? Dumbass. Ben and his dinosaur counterpart team up to go into the like kind of pocket universe that the two dooms have set up to try to make, to try to merge these universes and engage in a very simple, but very effective plan to turn these two dooms against each other because they know what Dr. Doom does. They know he turns on his allies. So the, the two, the two Ben Grimm's just plant the seed and make it happen. Almost exactly one year ago today, uh, Ryan North was on this television show, and he mentioned that he had watched every, uh, nearly every episode of Star Trek ever produced. Wait, this television show? The the television show Star Trek, yes. This podcast. This pod? Did I say television show? Yeah. I'm sorry. I meant I meant he was on this podcast. And not yet. About television it's, show Star Trek. It's not a television show yet. Yeah, we're gonna get those six uh, episodes on CISO. I think. Fingers crossed. I'm waiting to hear back from from QB. Quibby. Anyway, you were saying. And I read I read this issue and I was like, yeah, it shows because this is this is fucking Fizzbin. Like this is <laughs> this is computer. What is love? <laughs> it is it is absolutely the resolution of an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> I was the thought I had while I was reading this is is this I was like man this is almost like a Marvel Adventures plot. And it kind of has been like that's kind of been the the way this run has worked out. And and then I was like Oh, that's that's actually awesome. Like for that to be what Fantastic Four is, the like here's the super accessible Fantastic Four comic. Yeah. That should be, you know, that is the most Marvel Marvel comic. Here it is, simple fun adventure stories for uh, for a year while we get to the uh the, the thing of of the the Baxter building coming back. You could do one book that's not dark, ever. It can it can be heavy, and it can have like themes and be have have stakes, which this book has had. But it never needs to be dark. Fantastic Four never needs to be dark. I would be fully okay if this is just what Fantastic Four was forever. Yeah. Same. Not you know. I mean, I would I would personally be okay if it was just Ryan North forever. I I like. Ryan North comics well a heck of a lot. But if it was just like this is the Marvel comic that you can pick up any issue and get it and it's gonna be fun, then fuck yeah, that's what the Fantastic Four should be. One last book we're gonna talk about is Immortal Thor number four, which I'm not gonna say too much about it, Chris. You haven't read it yet. But this issue up to now, like the whole book has been building to the arrival of Toranos, the old god version of Thor, like evil, big, threatening Thor. 
mm-hmm. the original Thunder God. So what does Thor do in this issue? He assembles a Thor core of other Thors that he like other people that can hold his hammer mm-hmm. that can become Thor to fight the encroaching old god version of Thor. Would you like to guess who was in the Thor core? I would. Okay. Uh, no, number one with a fucking bullet, Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill is on the Thor core, yes. Jane Foster. Jane Foster is on the Thor core. Do we get Eric Masterson's reanimated corpse? No, no Eric Masterson. Okay, right, because he's still dead following, and his corpse was put to rest following the events of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Or I guess that was just Strange. That was the Clea book. That was the Clea uh, book. Do we get any, do we get like old Thor or young Thor? No. It, the the other two are going to be the hardest to guess. Okay. Uh, but they are great picks. I'm curious now. So so okay. who is it? Okay, I will give it away. Uh, you might guess Captain America. Captain America is not one of them. Steve Rogers is not one of them. Okay. One of them is Loki. Oh, dope. Yeah. And then one of them, which is a lot of the issue is getting her to get on board with it. But she has held Thor's hammer before. Aurora Monroe Storm. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> that fucking slaps. Yeah. That, in retrospect, the most obvious pick. Yeah, it's great. Oh, that's, that's, Matt, that's, that's HQC right there. It's really good. That's All Big right, L. Big Al is doing it. Big Al is is making it happen on Immortal Thor. Uh, Al Ewing uh, is is writing the issue. The art is by Martin uh, Cocolo or Martin Cocolo, and uh, it looks great. This is a very fun book that people should uh, should give a read to. All right, Chris. With that. It's time to get raw. Let's do it. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. Chris, as I so often do when we do these raw special episodes, these Thursday night raw special episodes, I look at the Wikipedia page list of WWE raw special episodes <laughs> to find a title. And in 2009, there was an episode called A Raw Thanksgiving. That's great. Which included an appearance from Jesse Ventura. So, that's what we're calling this one. Unlikely to show up here. I'm going off the grid. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he lives around here anymore. He, I, just, I think he lives in Mexico. Is where Jesse Jesse Ventura lives now. Lives off the grid, buddy. Yeah, he does. Uh, all right. Our first submission, Matt. Matt, you don't got to tell me what the first submission is, because I've been excited about this shit since the last time we did this. We teased it last time. That's right. Woo! Woo! Steve Lee sent in the moment from Daredevil 227 by Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli, in which Kingpin is told, it was a nice piece of work, Kingpin. You shouldn't have signed it. Boy! 
<laughs> oh, look, look, it's a real shame that he vanished in the Bermuda Triangle. It did. Because <laughs> Frank Miller made some good-ass comics, and the best comics he ever made were with Dave Mazzucchelli. That is very true. Very There's true. an artist edition of, of Born Again that I fucking lost my mind about because it has, like, the vellum overlays reprinted in it. Uh-huh. And so, like, it's fucking Mazzucchelli's a wizard, dude. It's bananas. But yeah. Yeah. He... Mm, he done fucked up. Like, this is the... I don't know if this is the rawest moment on the list. It might be. But this is exactly what we're talking about. Like, this is the archetype. Like, I, I'm glad this was sent in because somebody heard us say, like, yeah, it's that moment where you know somebody's about to get their ass kicked. And <laughs> yeah. then we're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> and that's when the kingpin fucks up Matt Murdock's life and Matt Murdock doesn't know why it's so bad. But Kingpin can't resist pulling a little gangster shit. Can't resist pulling a little mobster shit. And then Matt Murdock's like, oh, I'm gonna fucking tear him apart. He shouldn't have signed it. He shouldn't have signed it. Because he wouldn't have known. But he, but he, ooh, 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 it's good. It is like, it is even better than when basically the same thing happens at the end of the next issue. <laughs> like, if you want to see how to structure a badass comic book story, you you can do a lot worse than looking at, at fucking Born Again. Like, even just those splash pages of Matt Murdock sleeping... And his like the the splash page in the first issue is him in bed. The splash page in the second issue is him in the like on the shitty cot in the flop house. The splash page on the third issue is him in an alley, and then the fourth one is him at the uh, at the the convent. Yeah, like that's a fucking master class in progression. And if if people listening don't know. Matt Murdock isn't talking about a literal signature when he says you shouldn't have signed it. Kingpin blows up a building. His ha- he blows up his house. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's the like the theatricality and I guess kind of panache with which that happens that lets Matt Matt Murdock know that it's a gangster hit. Yeah, and so he's like. That's how I know you signed it. Yeah, like that's the signature. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, now, it, does the story have some flaws? Yes, it sure does. the 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 Karen Page stuff is the most. It's bad, and it's 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 bad. And I think we all know like that. It's also so fucking dated. It's so of its time. In a way that, like, 
you know, if, if you want to be absolutely fair and charitable to to Frank the Tank, it's of its time because it was cutting edge at the time. But like Jeepers Creepers, like it 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 really dates the story. Is the story perfect? No. Is this fucking moment perfect? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's a lot of there's you know a lot of dated stuff in Batman Year One. Is Jim Gordon giving Flash the bat perfect? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the thing about Magic Ellie is like he's so good that you wonder why he didn't do more monthly superhero comics. But then you're kind of like, maybe he didn't need to. I don't like that is my theory. Like I know Mas Kelly did a lot of teaching. Yeah. But like if you're getting if you're getting Batman year one money forever, you know, and you're getting Daredevil Born Again money, like at Marvel's Marvel's worst in terms of reprinting comics and and at at the the lows of their paperback program, you could still get Born Again. Like Born Again was in print. Mm-hmm. Like that dude is getting. I, I I cannot imagine Dave Mazzucchelli does not get a a nice little check, even now, f- almost forty years later, for for just doing Batman Year One. Probably, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like it 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 makes you wonder why why we didn't see more. But then this is why we didn't see more. <laughs> the, the the monthly superhero comics he did draw are. Among the very best. Yeah. And just immaculately drawn. The the page of Matt Murdock standing there, like looking at, well, not looking at, but like standing at the ruins of his house. Yeah. His brownstone. And just the, the, like, when he walks in and he finds like the scrap of his costume and, and he says, so you know, that's why. Like that's why all this has been happening. You you know I'm Daredevil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that explains that. And it's so it's like the the contrast between the matter of fact narration of just him very like you know analytically putting it together. And then, like, the emotion that Mazzucchelli puts on Matt Murdock's face, it's fucking choice, dude. It's good as hell. So here's the question. Uh Uh-huh. The other big Marvel moment on the list that I immediately look at, I mean, there's Gordon giving Flash the baseball bat, which is the other Miller-Mazzucchelli moment we have on the list. Mm-hmm. But then right below that is Wolverine's You Had Your Chance, Now It's My Turn. How does this stack up against those? My The only thing I can say about the relationship between these is that Frank Miller changed Daredevil pretty much forever. Like even the daredevil stories that we get that are 
not in this tone. Like, you know, we, we, we talked about the way that Insomni Daredevil, when we were talking about Black Widow, uh, those are still influenced by stories like this because they're a reaction to them. Mm-hmm. Not just to to this, but like, you know, also the the first Frank Miller run before it, uh, where he's he's writing and drawing. Uh, and you get like, you know, Daredevil versus or, or uh, Bullseye versus Electra, one win wins, one dies. So it kind of, you know, Daredevil is still not out of the shadow of this story. This like this changed Daredevil forever. The X the Wolverine coming out of the sewer changed comics forever. <laughs> yeah. And like at bare minimum changed Marvel comics forever. Yeah, and arguably Batman Year One changed Batman forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah but like X Men, like I don't know if you get these without that, because that's like you know we we talked about when we ranked that one. You can put a pin in it. This is what comic books are now. Like this is what what the people want. You got to give the people what they want. You got to give the people what they want. Boy, imagine Wolverine coming out of the sewer and saying that shit, and there's a crash zoom back. <laughs> give him the Rainmaker camera. That shit would own. That would. That would. Yeah. I don't know. Like, in terms of importance, I think, like, you kind of have to give it to Wolverine. In terms of like pure, because because also Wolverine fucks those dudes up in the next issue. He does. Matt Murdock does. Matt Murdock fights the Kingpin in the next issue. He does. He does not fuck him up. Uh, I mean he he kind of does because they have a hell of a fight. But you know he Matt does not get his revenge in Daredevil two twenty eight. He gets his revenge significantly later. Yeah. I think so, this I think this goes between Wolverine saying now it's my turn and Red Skull being put in a hole. I think that's a, I think that is there's no shame in that. Yeah. It's pretty fucking dope. I mean it's pretty fucking raw when Red Skull gets put in a hole. Let's, it is raw when Red Skull gets put in a hole. So, uh, yeah, no shame is an understatement. Yeah. Here's our next submission. It is from Kevin McLean. And it is Jesse Custer beating Jody to death in Preacher number 12. Uh, Owns. Hard owns. (laughs) When he said, like, I think about uh, about every single day since my 40th birthday, I think about uh, that scene where Jody goes, I'm, 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 and Jesse Custer goes, getting old. And that's the coldest shit of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I think, okay, I think this makes the list. I think it is the lowest ranking raw moment from Preacher on the list. I... I think that's I think that's fair. 
I do think it is it is difficult because there's so much preacher after this and there's so much Ennis after this. Uh-huh. Like you forget you kind of forget how TC and Jody are two of the most needs to die characters of of all time. Oh, yes. But they are they need to die because of a lot of shorthands cuz you only get here after 12 issues, right? Yeah. They're white supremacists who burn crosses on the lawn of the church of Jesse's church. And you know, they're they're like the worst kinds of guys. They right? killed Jesse's dad. That uh, yes, that's another shorthand. Yeah. And it, it's it's cathartic to see Jody get beaten to death, and for Jesse to say, you know, what is it that he, what is it that he says? Fucking die! After Jody's like, proud of you, boy, right? Yeah, like that's like that's the heartbreaker. Is that he like? Is that he's what they made him now? Yeah. Hey, Garth is pretty fucking good. Steve Dillon, pretty fucking good. <laughs> no shit. I've I've said before, it's it's you can make the argument that there's a ten year stretch where Garth Ennis is untouchable as the as the best. In a time when like Mark Wade's doing his best stuff, Grant Morrison's doing his best stuff, Alan Moore's doing some of his best stuff. Like Garthen is kind of like knocks it out of the park on a more consistent basis than anyone in comics, partly because he's working with John McCrae and Steve Dillon so much. Well, Garthen is telling a different kind of story. Yeah. Garthen is so much of Garthen stories are so character driven in a way that so much of comics is not. Yeah. Like comics is a plot driven medium generally for good reasons. But Ennis decided I'm going to do character based stories. And I think that makes so much of Ennis's work unique. And it's what is so good about it. Like it's that's what's different about Garth Ennis. Yeah. You would you would think, and and I am, I was of the age, and am of the age where like the 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 milieu and the style of preacher really like was what I wanted out of comics, but I do still feel like it's very it's very easy to write tough guy dialogue. Uh huh. That is very, very easy to, as a reader, get sick of. And Preacher number 12 is literally nothing but tough guy dialogue for 20 pages. And it kind of never gets old. Like, it starts with Jesse Custer coming out and saying, who wants to get his ass kicked first? And that's like the least amount of tough guy dialogue. (laughs) Like, when he... When he says he's not going to use the voice on on Jody, and Jody says, "Hope for you yet, boy," 
And then he starts, you know, taunting him, and Jesse cuts him off and interrupts him in the middle of a sentence and says, I just beat TC's goddamn brains out. And that shuts Jody up, and then he gets punched in the face. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. But like, when, he hit, when he hits Jody with the fucking board with the nails in it, and it sticks in his face, and Jody pulls it out and goes, kind of different. That's <laughs> fucking, it shouldn't be good. It's so over the top and so on the nose, like, like it's like Jeff Loeb's script to Commando. But the thing is, Garth Ennis is a guy from Ireland. And I'm an American man from the South. I'm not from Texas, but I'm from the South. I've known guys like that. Yeah. You've known guys like that. Yep. Who will just like say whatever, like say whatever the thing is that's just going to get you riled up and just make you be like, I got, I'm going to kick this guy's ass. I'm going to kick this motherfucker's ass. Like that was supposed, that hurt. I know that hurt. And he's acting like it didn't. Yeah. Cause the thing that sucks about those guys is that. Like some sometimes you get those guys and they're all talk or sometimes you get those guys and they genuinely are like like tough motherfuckers. Yeah. And you're like, the reason you are this way is because no one first of all, no one taught you how to be better, but no one was ever able to stop you. Yeah. And it's such like it's it's the it's not even the it's not even the power fantasy. Of wanting to kick this guy's ass. It's the someone needs to. And boy it does. Boy it happens. Well. You talked about like. You were and are the audience for Preacher. Uh huh. I am also that. But what I enjoy about Preacher. Has changed. I mean. I've always enjoyed the character stuff in Preacher. But I. There's a lot of preachers that I could do without now, like the the inbred descendant of Jesus stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not my favorite part. Yeah, our face, boy, that made Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon laugh. It really did. the 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 thing that Wizard Magazine loved about the the big fat guy falling out of the helicopter. He was like, ah, uh, well, <laughs> I forget what that part even was. Uh, he was he was the what's his, his all father something. Yeah, yeah. He he was somehow directly sent by the Pope. I think he's like the he's like the super Pope. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that stuff is just like shock value stuff that ultimately, like we've kind of forgotten about it, right? But the character stuff. The the character stuff with Jesse and Tulip and Cassidy that sticks with us. Yeah. That's the good stuff. And I think what we like about it is ultimately that Jesse Custer, you know, has this knockdown, drag out, brutal fucking fight where you know, this guy who abused him for his entire childhood is reenacting like this horrible moment where he broke his arm after his dad died 
and Jesse like fuck fucks him up, right? But then but then Jesse Custer goes and and tells Tulip that he loves her. And you know, the the last thing you see in Preacher is Jesse Custer with tears streaming down his eyes saying that he loves somebody. You know, like Yeah. It's it's well, the last thing you, the last thing you see in that issue is Jesse and Tulip kissing in front of the burning house. Yeah, um Jesse Custer burning down his childhood because he found like his traumatic childhood because he found someone that he can love unconditionally and who will love him unconditionally. It is it's it's sure not far from Jack Kirby. <laughs> it, and like and that's a weird it's 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 weird to say that Preacher and and Mr. Miracle are of a piece, but it's true. Yeah. And I feel like that's like the thing about Ennis is, yeah, like there's the shock value stuff, there's the violence, there's the tough guy stuff, but it all does come from an emotional core, and that's what makes Ennis so good. With like when he nails that, again, I don't know that there's anybody else who does it better than taking that emotional core, like that and that specific kind of emotional core that we can call daddy issues. And building it out into the most like over the top brutal thing in the world, which you know he doesn't in Preacher, he doesn't in Hitman, he doesn't in Punisher. Like, like Frank Castle does have an emotional core in that book. It's just very, very wrapped up in everything else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, like this, like this is a good issue of Preacher. But is it better than? Jesse telling Cassidy, you better fight like hell? Absolutely not. No, because there's 60 issues of of character interplay building up to that. Like, yeah. TC and Jody are great foils for that for that book. And they and again, they are some of the most this guy needs to die characters ever. Yeah, they're they're great foils for issue twelve. For issue twelve, yeah. Is this better than than Jesse saying "miss"? Is it more raw than Jesse saying "miss"? I don't. Jesse saying "miss" is pretty fucking good. Jesse saying "miss" is pretty fucking good. Jesse saying "miss." The thing about that is, it's so smart, and it sneaks up on you, yeah. and it's so set up. It's so set up and so paid off. It's literally like the line before it is a guy saying. You only have time to say one word before I shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's it's the it's so clever. Is is that? Oh, so good. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think this is as good as Baller taking up the sword. No, I'm I'm looking lower than that. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking I'm, where like that we have. You better fight like hell right above that. Yeah, uh, very similar to Mister Miracle stabbing Dark Side to death with a knife made of god blood. Again, think, thematically very similar. I think that is more earned. I I mean, not that this is unearned, but same number of I mean? issues. Yeah, I could put it above the like smacks moment. I could put it above Sparky the good dog driving into a cop. That's just pretty good. I don't know if it's better than Lockheed, Lockheed ripping up out Sebastian Shaw's eye. See, I think it's I think it's better than Batman telling the Martians ready when you are. <clears throat> okay, it might be better than the Ghost Rider moment too. I don't think it's better than Batman vs. Prometheus round two. All right, 
so problematic as it might be. <laughs> this is the new number 15. I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, Jody, Jody getting beaten to death is pretty, pretty fucking raw. Yeah, and, and it's also got that that real fucking heartbreaker moment of I'm proud of you for beating me to death. You're yeah. what I wanted you to be. That's yeah. the fucking dark side shit of it. Oh, the, absolutely, absolutely. Like the last twist of the knife, where it's like, oh, you beat me to death. You you don't get to have the pleasure of me hating you for it. I'm going to tell you I'm proud of you. Yeah, you, you're not better than me. Yeah, you're you're just like me. Yeah, and it's that you and me. We love a comic where a guy wins and loses. We really do. Uh, all right, here's our next one. It's from uh, Fantastic Four number six oh four. Okay, in which Franklin Richards who has a beard <laughs> says rise to me, my Galactus. I, when you said the words Franklin Richards, I was mm-hmm. like, I don't think this is going to make the list. <laughs> <laughs> and then you kind of pulled out the, the, the one thing where I'm like, kind of like, yeah, that's pretty good actually. Yeah. Like that is, mm, that one is actually pretty good. That one, that one is actually pretty good. Yeah, this was uh, this was your boy, uh, Jonathan Higman, Jay Hicks, yeah, Jay Hicks, and uh, and Steve Epting, and yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I I don't think it. I don't know if it if it tops the list. I do think it does make the list. Because it is, like, it is that, it is that, like, Jonathan Hickman type of thing. Like, there's, like, I can't imagine two similar things that have a different flavor than a Garth Ennis thing and a Jonathan Hickman thing. Like, Mm -hmm. the Ennis thing is so raw and emotional, and all of Hickman's stuff is so meticulously calculated. If you really, again, not a complaint. I like it. If you really wanted to, I don't know, pejoratively put it, people who don't like Hickman, I think, would call it cold. Yes. But it is it is earned just in a different way. Like, yeah, I was talking about so much of Ennis's work being so character driven. Hickman, for better or worse, has gotten a reputation for being all plot, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't think that's. I think that's unfair to Hickman. I, I do too. Like there are plenty of like moments in in Hickman stories that have a great payoff and that are funny and that are like emotional and 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 really like affecting. Like I mean, you and I are both. Uh, we're we're Hickman fans, for yeah. sure. But like, you're gonna tell me that that Punisher walking into the bar with no name and saying, "What am I gonna do with all these bullets?" Isn't fucking funny? <laughs> in a great little moment? No, of course not. But it is way more plot driven, right? Yes. 
And so when future Franklin Richards becomes the guy who can like control Galactus. Well, the, 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 the setup for it, it's not just to me, my Galactus, it's that the setup for it is of, again, a very clever inversion, right? And it's, it's the line. Oh yeah. You know, across the, across the millennia, Galactus has had a lot of heralds. Franklin Richards has had one. And it's that perfect little inversion yeah. of you know you know how cool th- it is when Galactus has the Silver Surfer. What if someone had that and it was Galactus? <laughs> like it's it's such a simple little inversion. And again, it's that uh the the word I use was calculated because it feels like it is that like I'm trying to think of a way that doesn't have a negative connotation, but it's like it's it's formula. Right, but not in a way where it's like something I've seen before and something I'm tired of. It's the simplicity of, yeah, that's how that works. You just you know you flip the sides of the equation and you get a new thing. Yeah. That's that's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's formula in that it's mathematical. In that it's like, what if I took this variable and put it on the other side? Yeah, and th- that's all it takes to get a cool moment like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you take Garth uh emotions and uh, Jonathan Hickman's mathematical and, and calculated approach and mix them together, you get Scott Snyder. <laughs> That's true. I, I, not for nothing. That issue of fantastic four ends with adult Franklin having summoned his Galactus tearfully hugging Reed. Because Reed is like so proud and overcome with emotion of what his son has become and how his son has become like the human exemplar of hope in humanity. Yeah. And, but I feel like even that, and again, like none of this is negative or pejorative, but like the expression there, like the literal dialogue in those panels, right? Is, is, you know, if, if we live, we hope. The state motto of South Carolina, by the way. Uh, much better than the state motto of North Carolina. I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, to be rather than to seem? Yeah, I hate That's so dumb. What, you want to put on a front? You want to seem? Yeah, your state motto is real, recognize real? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's fine. While I breathe, I hope is a much better one. <laughs> anyway, if we live, there is hope, and if we hope, then there is a tomorrow, and if tomorrow, then forever. That's a beautiful sentiment. That is also an equation. <laughs> that true. is computer language. If this, then this. That is true. Yes, and it's not. And again, it's not bad, and it is emotional. But I think it is an expression of emotion that I think one of the reasons Hickman was so good at writing FF was that I think he has an understanding of Reed Richards because it's not a lack of emotion and it's not a lack of care and it's not a lack of, of, of all the things that make stories what they are, but it is that, that logical approach to it that I think 
maybe doesn't work for some readers, but like certainly you and I like it a yeah. lot. Yeah. And so I don't think this is raw in the same way, but it is pretty fucking cool and it is pretty fucking raw. I, I think it goes lower, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's better than Try the Red One. I I would agree with that. It's, is it better than Captain America growing up to kaiju size to fight Kang? <laughs> Probably not. Probably okay, not. then I think it's the new number 30 on the list. Okay, so the new number 30 on the list is uh, Franklin Richards says to be my Galactus. His Herald Galactus. Yeah. Here's an interesting one from Chris Kaiser. Chris. The Kais. That's right. Batman beating the hell out of the mutant leader in Dark Knight Returns, preceded by the famous quote, this isn't a mud hole, it's an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. Matt, you know how I feel about this one. I mean, it's raw. It's It's like, again, again, you can't take it away from him that it's fucking raw. I'm not going to act like I don't love it. (laughs) That would be dishonest. Sure. And And again... I think the important thing, and I think that the the thing that you have to, I don't know if people miss this about it. I don't know if they miss it the way that they miss a lot of stuff about Dark Knight and a lot of stuff about like Watchmen. It's very important that that's a rematch. And it's very important that Batman gets the shit beat out of him the first time they fight. Because he's trying to fight like, He's trying to fight the mutant leader on his own terms. He's trying to fight him like a young man. He's trying to fight him like he still has all the strength and energy of youth. And he doesn't. And so the way that he's going to beat him is the same way Batman beats Prometheus when they fight, which is that he fucking changes the arena and he approaches him in a different way. He puts him in a situation where he can't be faster than Batman because he's in a mud pit. He blinds him so he can't see. He uses his knowledge of pressure points to turn off his arm. Like, all shit that he didn't do the first time because he was trying to fight him like, like he would fight somebody 20 years ago. But he wins that fight. He's a surgeon. He's methodical he's smart he outthinks him and takes this like beast who could you know dismantle and devour any other human being and fucking breaks him and that shit owns and i'm not gonna act like it doesn't i i mean i i think importantly kind of the point of the whole thing is in that first fight with the mutant leader Batman tries to outmuscle him. Exactly. Yes. That first fight is oh, we're on equal terms as far as strength. I can just outmuscle him. Yeah. And he loses. And he's like and so he's got to do do Batman shit and say, "Okay, I got to I got to figure this out with my wits." Because he's older. So, yeah, th- this is the fight where he's got to outsmart him. Yeah, and it it it's it's fucking good. It's old gunfighter shit, you know. For sure, 
it's 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 okay. Why did I lose that fight? Well, it's because he's because he's faster and stronger than me, which is not a situation I ever ran into when I was younger. Yeah. So what do I have that he doesn't? It's like, well, I know how to punch him in the arm so that he can't use it anymore. And like strategy. Yeah. The, 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 the answer is strategy. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like the Dark Knight Batman, because of the way he's drawn, because of the visuals and because of, you know, the Frank Miller of it all is, is, you know, this is the, this is the brute Batman. This is the big, you know, rough Batman. And kinda, but keep in mind that like, he's the smart Batman. He's the Batman who punches Superman with Gotham City and still loses that fight because he wanted to lose that fight. Like, it's, there's things people miss about that story. And I hate that people miss those things because those are, to me, that's a story I've read a hundred times. And those are the things that make it so good for me. Is that, like, it's, it's not Batman just beating up the mutant leader. It's him. It's, it's the same shit as Grant Morrison, Batman. It's victory is in the preparation. He picks the, he picks the place they're going to fight. And not only does he do that, he makes sure everybody sees it. And that pays off in the fourth issue. Yes. When he leads those kids and those kids become like the new, like the sons of the bat. Like it's fucking smart and it's dope. And it's really fun to see a rematch is always going to be like the rawest shit. Again, that preacher moment, we had seen Jesse Custer fight TC and Jody before in those first 12 issues, and it had not gone well. And there is a direct callback to the choreography of that fight. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have seen Daredevil and Kingpin fight before. A rematch is always going to have that thing of like, now, of now it's my turn. That's what it is. And now it's my turn is the most badass shit. <laughs> Jim Gordon had previously been beaten up by Flass and his boys. It's always the rematch. And, yeah. and I'm sorry. Opinion, my opinion of Dark Knight Returns has changed, just like everyone else's over the years. But I'm not going to say it doesn't have some good shit in it. <laughs> For sure. And the draftsmanship of that fight, like two guys fighting in the mud could be so such a visual mess, right? But this isn't. It's really well crafted. Yeah, bud. And it's all the mistakes of the first fight. Like, he leaves the Batmobile. He lets the mutant leader dictate the terms of the fight. Right. And that's where he fucks up. Well, he lets the mutant leader goad him into it. Because the mutant yeah. leader does that whole speech about, like... I call you coward. I, I, I will eat your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And keep in mind, the mutant leader also um, threatens to eat Jim Gordon 
<laughs> the mutant leader is at least subtextually a cannibal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, yeah, man. Like, the fight that he loses... The funniest thing about that first fight is that the mutant leader goes on the news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, I beat the shit out of Batman. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the 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 fucking... It's the overconfidence and the letting the other person dictate the terms that gets him and gets him fucked up, which leads to the best moment in the entirety of Dark Knight Returns, which is when Carrie Kelly says her name is Robin. That shit kicks ass. Uh, That's the best moment of Frank Miller's career. That is the best moment in Dark Knight Returns. It's probably one of the top three moments in Batman comics. The, the, The way she goes from saying... Carrie, Carrie Kelly, and then there's that beat, and there's the next panel, with and without having to be told anything, she just goes, "Robin." Yeah, 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 bud. That fucking that moment between the panels should make Scott McCloud weep every time he thinks about it. <laughs> Because it's the best, like, the the change in her, like, the way she, like, lifts her chin up, and, like, she's standing up straighter, and when she says, Robin, that, those two panels, I've thought about getting them tattooed. Because that is, like, it means everything. But yeah, like, the, as far as, like, raw shit, Batman fixing all the mistakes of the previous fights... It's it's nasty, Matt. It's balls, balls nasty. nasty. Yeah. Hope he don't say balls nasty. Yeah, dude, he he fucking blades him, blades him in the eyes. It's, oh. Yeah, it's, it's so pretty good. good. It's pretty fucking good. And yeah, he changes. He he destroys the whole mutant organization right then and there. Yeah, like literally in the same panel where he's standing over the mutant leader in the mud pit, uh, is an inset caption box with the dialogue of the guy in the news going, the mutants are dead. <laughs> the mutants are history. Yeah, and the, the mutants are putting on Batman makeup. I mean, oh, shit, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, good. it's good, man. Uh, I've, it's good. It's good as hell. All right, give me a spot. Give me you a spot. Can't take it away from it. No, you can't. You are you are correct. Give me a spot. Uh, like, oh, when comics are good, they're so fucking good, dude. That's why I like doing this. It's, it's every story ever. We have to get into the the middle to low part of the list. With this, it's like shit's good. Shit's good. Uh, in terms of being raw. In terms of being raw, I think it's better than Captain UK annihilating the Fury. Okay. I don't know if it's better than Baller taking up the sword. So that would put this at the new number eight on yeah. the list. I think that is I think that's good. I think yeah. that's good. I think that's a, a fairly low ranking for it. But everything above that is like pretty stellar, so unimpeachable honestly yeah (laughs) seven to one unimpeachable 
so yeah, okay. I think that's got to be it. I think that's all the raw moments we can rank on this episode. Uh, so thanks to everybody who sent those in. If you would like to send us a Thursday Night Raw submission, you can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. That is also where you can send every story ever lists or let us know if you want to sponsor the show or drop us a line about any old other dang thing you want to let us know about. Do not send us any more Frank Miller moments. Because he's on, he's on the list too much. It's Unless you Frank- us that one where Daredevil plays Russian roulette with bullseye, that shit rocks. That is fucking raw. That shit is raw. <laughs> that shit owns so hard. In the hospital? In the hospital! God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got plenty of Garth Ennis, too, on the list, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Blue Sky at Warrocket, warrocketajax.bsky.social. And uh, a great way to get in touch with us is on our Discord. Um, you have to be a member of the Discord to – or you have to be invited to be a member of the Discord. Uh, but if you ask us for an invitation very nicely, we will get you on. So just hit us up. Uh, for an invitation if you would like one. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. Warrocketwiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about this here show, War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It has links to things that I do. Uh, just this very day, uh, Ali Stock and I recorded uh, our episode on the last episode of Xena. Wow. So we have done uh, – Xena Warrior Business uh, has done every single episode of the show. I think we're going to do a wrap-up before we we end the, the podcast. And well, before we move on to the next thing, but uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe go check that one out. I'm, I actually really think the the last episode that we did was really good. So uh, go go give that a listen if you want. End of an era, watching all the Zenas. It's a heck of a show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we're taking Thanksgiving off, but we'll be back in December. That's right. Where it will be time for comforts and joys. It'll be it'll be full on Christmas time. I've already worn shirts with Santa Claus on them, and now it's time for everyone to do that. If, oh, if, oh. You, if you are a if you celebrate holidays involving Santa Claus, that's right. Yes. Uh, yeah. See you in a couple weeks, everybody. See you in a couple weeks. Until then. Uh, we hope you have a uh, a great time uh, as you kick off the, the winter season. Uh, but do not forget that Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops aren't your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah! Everything.
flash. <laughs> 